some messages the past two, three weeks that have been leaning towards the launch, I think, but um, not really built into a series with a title. So a couple weeks ago, I talked about prayer. If you remember, um, what are you guys looking at? You you all were like, whoa. (laughs) I was like, I don't remember having a slide about this part of the teaching. Uh, so we, I talked about prayer, and we talked about, you know, just prayer work, and it was kicking off the prayer and fasting, the 40 days of prayer and fasting that we're doing towards the church multiplication. Talked about the importance of humility and obedience while we pray. And then last week, Jonathan talked about how Jesus is with us when we're, when we're on mission. We should expect storms. Remember this? Everybody listening? All right. You Sure. Okay, Jesus is with us. When, when we're on mission, we'll be hit by storms. We should not be surprised by them, but that um, we also can't let those storms derail us because sometimes it becomes all about the storm, right? And you want to you stay focused on the fact that Jesus is with you and has the answer to that storm and stay on mission, okay? So keeping in that theme, um, I felt like as I was teaching on prayer and then as we talked about storms, there's like a question out there about why, why are there storms? And why is there prayer that doesn't get answered? And what do you do during that time? Or more importantly, like, what is Jesus doing? You know, I mean, I think that it's kind of a common thing. Like, if Jesus is all good, like, all loving and all powerful, then why wouldn't he just do, uh, do that, answer every prayer all the time? And if you've ever seen Bruce Almighty, I, yeah. I actually personally love that movie. Um, and there's a time with Jim Carrey, you know, he gets the powers of God and he starts to have to answer some prayers. And he tries a couple of different methods, like the post-it notes and the filing cabinets, right? And then he's, he tries to email, and then he looks, and it's, finally he just says yes to all, right? And it's like, that's what people want from God, isn't it? They want God to just be like, yes to all. But then as you watch the movie, there's all these people who are frustrated because, you know, it's impossible to say yes to all the things that we're praying because we're all selfishly praying for things, right? It was like the people who want a penny. Everybody want a penny in the lottery or something like that. So, um, what, what, is, what, what do we do with that? And I think, you know, initially, a question I think Christians could argue about is, does God say no to prayer? I mean, does God say no to prayer? Does he just say, like, wait? Or you, you just can't see it, but I've answered it? I've answered it in, the, in a different mysterious way that you haven't comprehended? You know, does God say no to prayer? So I'm going to just go out on a limb and say, Yes, I think he does. But I, there are a lot of Christians who would disagree with that. There are, there are a lot of Christians who would disagree with, because there's verses where Jesus says things that I think are confusing, where Jesus says, you know, um, if you believe, if you ask for it and you believe that you've received it, you will receive it. And think, okay, is that all that it takes? I just have to believe that I receive it? I mean, I've tried that, and I haven't received things. So there's tension created just in the Bible itself, and then I think there's greater tension created when you try to live it out. I mean, you know, I mean, you guys know, like, my mom, my whole life growing up was sick, and I literally prayed every night, every night for probably, like, 15 years until I, just to be honest, like, gave up, you know? But Jesus prayed, he, put the water down, so Jonathan just told me. Jesus prayed, <laughs> I prayed that you'd heal mom, 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 prayed that you'd heal mom. We took mom to places, we took her to conferences, we took her to experts. Every healing expert who ever walked the face of the earth that we knew about, we took her. We drove her hours to places. We tried slain in the spirit, we tried oil, we tried elders, we tried different churches, right? I mean, 
We tried everything you can think of. And so either the answer was no, or the answer was it's your fault, or the answer was wait, and wait was until you go to heaven, which in my humble opinion is, is a no, <laughs> right? I mean, you could say that about anything, right? Yeah, it's a yes, but you won't get it till heaven. I mean, okay, fine. Like, we, in all, for all intents and purposes of our experience, that's a no for, for right now. And I, and I think that, does that make God unloving? Does it make him, uh, does he contradict himself when he says that he's, you know, that he's answering our prayers? So I, I want to get into that a little bit more tonight. Really, 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 we could talk about this for weeks on end. So I'm, I'm not going to deal as much with the why tonight, which I, I think would be interesting, at least to me. I like, I like to hard, ask those hard questions. But I want to talk about what's, what is Jesus doing? Like, Here's this guy that we're taught is loving, he, he's all-powerful, he's on our side, right? Don't we believe those things? He's a good, good father, not just a good father, right? According to the song, he's a good, good father. He's full of grace and mercy. His mercy is new every morning. Like, you could quote scripture after scripture about the wonderfulness and the amazingness of God. So what's he doing when your life is falling apart? What's he doing when you're sick on end without answer. What's he doing when you lose someone that you love prematurely or even when it's supposed to happen? It's not like there's ever a time when you're like, yeah, it's about time you died, right? I mean, it's, it's always painful. What's he doing when your kid is, is falling away from God or when you're your sibling or, you know, where is he in those moments? Is he silent? Is he choosing to separate himself? Is it like when Jesus was hanging on the cross and he was like, God, why have you forsaken me? Is that it? Like, are there just moments in life where he just is, has, has separated himself? I don't know if you ever read the Screwtape Letters. It's a really interesting book by C.S. Lewis. He was a, a great Christian author. Um, and he, he wrote a lot of allegorical stories to explain truths in Christianity. And Screwtape Letters was about these, these uh, two demons, a, a, an expert demon <laughs> and a novice demon. He's like training him. And... Um, Oh, man. I forget why I started talking about screw tape letters. Is he just forsaken us? Yes. Is he just forsaken us? And, and uh, the, the, the older demon was telling the younger, thank you so much. I <laughs> See, I, said, I referenced it, and then I thought, you know what? Can't just reference something that assume everybody knows it. You got to explain it a little bit. And then the explanation took so long, I forget why I referenced it. <laughs> it's terrible. All right, so... Um, yeah, he was like, you know, sometimes this God loves, the, loves his people so much that he actually steps away so they can learn to walk on their own. Like, is that what's happening? When your prayer's unanswered, when you're in pain, when you're suffering, is he distancing himself? I don't know. I mean, the Bible says things like he is near to the brokenhearted. It says he catches our tears in, his, in a bottle. Like, so how is he both near and far? I think these are questions that we wrestle with. You know, I think that Christians can tend to be either triumphalistic or fatalistic. We can either say, it always is good. God is good. Right? Is that honestly what you think? <laughs> or have you just been trained to say that? I mean, I know you believe it theologically, but is that your experience? Can I pick on you guys? Yeah. When your house was burning to the ground, were you like, God is good all the time? You were out there freezing in your underwear. I mean, on some level, you were grateful that no one died. Yes. But your house is burning to the ground. 
You're not like, you're not like, that wasn't when you turned to Sarah and you're like, God is good. And she was like, all the time, right? I mean, we're, yeah, Gary's like, I never liked that house anyway, you know? I mean, there's, let's be honest. There are times when you're not feeling God is good all the time. You know, you're not feeling the Christian bumper sticker. You're not. That's not real faith. I mean, that's like, that's like a, a sugar-coated version of Christianity, but it's not real faith. It's not, it's not how Jesus treated faith either. But so there's this triumphalistic, but then there's also this fatalistic, which is just like, have you ever talked to people like that? Well, you know, I mean, like, no matter what, something bad's going to happen. The, the other shoe's going to fall. I mean, like God's, there's no way God can intervene. I'm sure it's going to be horrible. Like, that's, we, we believe in a God who does answer prayer, Right? We believe in a God who does intervene in history. So what do we do with this? So here's this verse that I've been meditating on that I think that has some answer to it. It worked earlier, didn't it, Janine? Will you click it for me, Janine? It's not working at all. Oh, Janine is going to kill me. Okay, I'm just going to read it to you. Yes. So Paul has this, this bad thing happen, bad enough that he wants to, so Paul is, um, for those of you who don't know, Paul is an author in the New Testament. He wrote one of the many books that's put into the, the New Testament part of the Bible. And um, this book is called the Second Corinthians. And so Paul is, is writing about an experience he had that was so painful, an ongoing experience, that he asked God to take it away from him three times. And this, this is, I mean, Paul is like, he wrote half the New Testament. Like if this guy, if anybody deserved to get a yes to an answer to prayer, it was this guy, right? He'd been beaten. He'd been shipwrecked. He was constantly like being pursued and hunted down. Jesus should have given this guy a break. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Listen, but he said, what did he say? He said, no. That's my interpretation. He said, no. That's not all he said. But I want you, I, I really think he didn't say God is good, right? I don't think he said, wait till heaven. He said, no, I'm not gonna fix it. But my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. That is where Jesus is in those moments. He's saying, I am enough. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. I think this is so challenging to try to apply to our lives. That's why for Christ's sake, I, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And when, when it's not going well, then I see God's hand moving. So here's a couple things about where I think Jesus is when prayer is not being answered. All right, first, Jesus is giving us himself. He's saying, my grace is sufficient for you. If, you. if we can just memorize that tonight, my grace is sufficient for you. He's saying, I am enough. I am more important than your answered prayers. So I've been in counseling several different times in my life because I need it. <laughs> Didn't. 
irresistible, I know. And um, so one time when I was in counseling, you know, I was dealing with some like grief and stuff like that. And, and um, what I like to do is go to Mandy for support and then go to friends and get prayer. And, and my counselor was like, you need to just go to Jesus on this one. And she like challenged me. She was like, don't go to Mandy about this. Like not that it's wrong, but for this specific thing we were talking about, she's like, so do you ever just go to Jesus and let him be everything you need in that moment? I'm like, no. What are you talking about? She's like, you need to just go and tell him how you're feeling and let him heal you. I was like, what? I mean, I go to Jesus and I get ideas. I go to Jesus and I get like insight into scripture. But I'm not like, Jesus, I feel sad. I don't ever do that. It's, I don't do that with pretty much anyone but Mandy. I, I, I have, I, it's true. I, I, uh, I cry a lot with Mandy. Um, but she was like, yeah, you just need to let him love you. That's the voice she has. And it just, maybe that's how I heard it. I heard it as kind of like weird, like foreign, like, okay. And then I would try it. You know, I'd be like, okay, Jesus, I'm sad. Help me. You know, like, you know, I didn't feel anything. You know, it's not like I felt the presence of God or worship got great or, you know, I just felt awkward. But I disciplined myself to pray it every day. And there are times when you just need to pray it every day until you start to see some change. And I think it was more a lesson I needed to learn that Jesus is enough for me. That it, if, it, if it came down to it that I didn't have anybody else. Who did, you know, the guy who wrote this was in prison a lot by himself. He learned to say Jesus is enough for me. You know, even more, even not having food, not having water, not having comforts. Jesus is enough for me. I mean, there's stories of him being in prison and singing and prison guards finding Jesus because they're amazed by this guy worshiping in the cell by himself. Somehow he learned the secret to Jesus is enough. He's the guy who wrote, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Like he learned it. He said, I've learned to be rich and I've learned to be poor. This was the lead up to you know, I've learned to have much and little. I've learned to be persecuted and not persecuted. I can do all things because he learned Jesus is enough for me. And so the question, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus enough for you? Or is it Jesus plus? Like I love Jesus and my money. I love Jesus and an easy life. I love Jesus and my answered prayers. Or is Jesus enough for you? That's where I think the foundation is. And then, but he doesn't leave us there. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. I have everything that you will need. Jesus has everything we need when your prayer is not answered. He has everything that you'll need. This water is really causing me problems. I really need a drink, and I promise I'll put it down. All right, you can be the water holder. You're the water boy. All right. But are, are you heartbroken? I mean, people are walking through life right now heartbroken. And you're thinking, why hasn't God answered this prayer? And he's saying, he might be saying no, 
but my grace is sufficient for you. My comfort is sufficient for you. Are you discouraged? He might be saying, no, I'm not changing that situation, but my encouragement is sufficient for you. You know, are you in pain? He might not be saying, uh, yeah, I'm going to heal that right now, right? But my strength is sufficient for you. And you could go on and on and on, right? Are you lonely? He might not be saying, yeah, you know, I've got that husband next week, or I've got that, you know, whatever. But he's saying that he is close to you, that he is near, and that he is sufficient for you. And, and, and on and on and on. I mean, do you feel like you've just been working, 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 and no one ever gives you credit, and no one ever sees it, and you don't, like, whether in your house or at work or in ministry, and, and, and you're like, God, why doesn't anyone ever, and you're starting to get bitter, and it's turning sour, and he's like, my grace is sufficient for you. Like, I'm not going to promote you right now. My grace is, I mean, it's so easy to give the teachings about God will promote you. You are the tail. The, hey, I always say that backwards. You are the head and not the tail. Those are great teachings, and there's truth in them. This is what I'm saying. There's truth in them, but I have a heart for Christians who experience life and it's not always perfect. What do you do with that? We have to have answers for that. If we're going to talk to our neighbors about Jesus, we have to have honest answers and not Christian platitudes. It's not going to be good enough when they're like, you talk about God, but what about X, Y, and Z? And you're like, God is good, right? I mean, there's got to be a deeper explanation or a deeper faith a deeper understanding of what is Jesus doing when we can't see him. So he gives us himself. He gives us everything that we need. I mean, there's a, there's a great theological concept that we talk about in the vineyard. And I know theological concept are the worst words to use when you want someone to keep listening to you. How about an idea? Have, have an idea? Theological idea. Is theological just a bad word? There's a Bible idea, all right? <laughs> And, and it's, it's called the now and the not yet. And it's this very simple idea that Jesus, when he comes into a situation, he brings his rule, his control, who he is. So everything that Jesus is, peace, healing, you know, uh, joy, comfort, he comes into a situation. And he has, when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, he has brought that now, right now. And we can access that right now. Heaven Come to earth. That's why we pray, Jesus, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven comes to earth right now. We see it. We've seen it. We've all prayed and seen it. We've seen his kingdom come in the now. But we've also seen his kingdom coming not yet. If, his, if he, Jesus, was in total control of everything right now, there would be no crying or pain or sickness or rape or hunger or murder. Right? So it's not fully here. But we still do see God breaking through in people's lives. So we live in the tension. It's what we talk about in, in the vineyard. We live in the tension between the now of Jesus and the not yet of Jesus. Here's a great verse of Paul understanding the now and the not yet. That's what we're talking about. We do get prayers answered and we don't get prayers answered. We see him breaking through now and then we don't see him breaking through yet. And we live between both those realities and we're pulled back and forth. And he says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Isn't that so encouraging? The second half of the verse. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe you're like, I was hoping for more than just not being crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. I, I looked up some music videos. 
And I couldn't find any that would have been really funny, but we get knocked down, but we get up again. We are never destroyed. I mean, this is a verse that I can quote with all of my heart. This is a verse that I can claim because it's honest. This verse is honest. It's not triumphal and it's not fatalistic. It's true. This is where we live right now. There will come a day when this verse won't be true, right? When Jesus returns and we live with Jesus and everything's made perfect, we won't be hard-pressed by troubles or perplexed or hunted or knocked down, right? There will be a day like that, and that is coming, and that is our hope, and we'll get to that in a second. But right now, our hope is that in the midst of this, we don't lose. Even when it's hard, we're not alone. Even when we're being beaten down, we're not going to be destroyed. You can stand on that promise. See, Jesus gives us hope so that we don't give up. He gives us hope so that we don't give up. And he says this, if you keep reading in this verse, he says, this is why we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. We do not give up. Though outwardly, sometimes it feels like we're wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. You know, that's why you talk about, like if you're in an addiction program, you talk about one day at a time. And honestly, I have adopted that for my life for the last like five, six years. I pray that prayer on a regular basis because I need God's grace one day at a time. Jesus said, in another place in the Bible, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough troubles for itself. He is a very present help in trouble. He is mercies new every morning. So he gives you grace for today. And when we start to live too much in the future and start to worry about August, we might not have grace for August right now. And that's why it feels so heavy because Jesus isn't there right now. He's here right now. One day at a time, Jesus, give me grace to deal with my anxiety today. Jesus, give me grace to, to feel comforted today. Jesus, I mean, hope, I don't know that anybody's in this moment right now, but there was a moment in our life where going to bed at night, we were like, we don't even want to go to bed because well, then we have to wake up. Then there's that new waking up to fresh grief. Have you ever been there? And you're like, God, give me grace to just wake up in the morning. I mean, this is the very present, real God. He's there every day. We're being renewed, even when we're hurting. But listen, this is where Paul shifts gears a little bit. And you start to think, wait. Our light and momentary troubles, what? Now, I would have an issue with Paul if it wasn't Paul. What have you been through? You're light and moment. Who are you to say my troubles are momentary? But this is the guy, I mean, he had troubles. Seriously, I can't, I can't compete with him. I've never been flogged, and I never want to be. I've never been in prison, and seriously, it scares the crap out of me. That somehow, you know, you ever watch those movies where you're like wrongly accused, and you end up in prison late? That is one of my life fears, terrifying. I, can I tell you a story? One time I went, I was very young. I was like 23, 24 years old and I went to visit somebody in jail and I got lost in the jail and I was terrified. I got in there because there's like 700 doors that you have to walk through and every time you walk through it, they lock it. 
and they don't send someone with you. So they're just like, for real, this is what happened. I was at the desk. This guy who hated life and hated me was like, you're going to go left, right, right, left, right, right, straight, left, left, right. And then he just got on the phone. I was like, okay. You know, and I, I, this is, I'm not making this up. At one point, I went over to a group of inmates who were lined up on the wall and I asked them for directions. How, and how great is that to go up to a prisoner and be like, how do you get out of this place? Right? They're like, man, I wish I knew, you know? <laughs> They're like, Stay, stick with us. We got a plan. <laughs> Maybe I should have asked a guard. I don't know. But so, it, it felt like there was no guards anywhere. No, seriously. I, at one point, I had to go up to a camera and start waving. I mean, it was, I'm, not, I'm not proud of this, but I was sweating. I was like, what's going to happen? I could die. Yeah. The prison's huge. I mean, I don't know. What if they thought, you know, here's an inmate and he's trying to sneak out? I mean, I didn't have an orange jumpsuit on, fortunately, but I didn't. Good thing. Yeah. Note to self. Don't wear your orange jumpsuit with numbers stamped on the back. Okay. Focus. So he, he has a right to say, he, he has suffered. And even in the midst of his suffering, he's saying, even what I'm going through is light and momentary compared to what? They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He's saying is that God is producing good things in us through the suffering, okay? Jesus turns our suffering into growth. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Isn't that hard? I mean, I'm not joking. It is really hard to fix your eyes on something you can't see. But, But literally... It's so hard to not see the struggle and the unanswered prayer and whatever it is and to see past it and to say, Jesus, I know you're doing something good in me right now. Isn't that so hard? That's so hard. But he's telling you, God's doing something eternally in you that's going to last. Suffering produces growth. Suffering teaches us about Jesus in ways that we couldn't learn. Any other way. Suffering teaches us about ourselves. It does. Unanswered prayer. You know, what would our faith be if God gave us everything we wanted all the time when we wanted it? I mean, we know that if you're a parent, you know that. You would never raise your child like that. And there's moments when you watch your child and you're like, is that what I've been doing? I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, I didn't raise you this way. You know, I mean, God, God's not going to do that for us. I remember Jonathan and I, when we were, we were young teenagers, we read this, this book about all these great men and women of God, and we wanted to be like them so bad. But every, yeah, it's called God, God's Generals. Every chapter had some horrible suffering that this man or woman went through. And we, we would literally pray, God, we want to be just like this guy, but please don't make us suffer. Literally prayed that. And I remember getting into arguments with people older than me. I don't believe that there's stuff you can learn only through suffering. God is God. He can teach me that stuff. I mean, I would. I don't know if you know me, but I I can argue. Um, But, you know, you just can't go through life without, without running into unanswered prayer, without running into a no. And there's a part of Jesus that we discover that we wouldn't discover. So I think I put up a slide that has them all. Yeah. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
My grace is sufficient for you. Right now, or when you hit that bump, you hit that roadblock, or you hit that wall, that concrete wall, my grace is sufficient for you. This is the verse that you hold on to. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that tells us to cling to Jesus. And this is one of those verses that you can cling to. You can say, okay, you know. I mean, I think this is perfectly in line with what Jonathan talked about last week where Jesus is in the boat, but the storm is like about to destroy the boat, but Jesus is in the boat. And he wasn't, he wasn't doing anything about it right away. In fact, he seemed like he was sleeping. He was sleeping. And it seems like that in our life sometimes, doesn't it? And so when it doesn't feel like God is good all the time, when it doesn't feel like your prayers are being answered, or when they just aren't, not just feels like, when they aren't being answered, he is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. In everything all the time, that is a promise of God that you can take to the bank. It is yes and amen all the time. His grace is sufficient. He is more than enough. He is saying, first of all, I am enough for you. I'm here. You're not alone. I have everything that you need for this moment. And he gives it to you generously. And the other points, which I don't have written down, so I have to turn around and see. He gives us hope and he helps us grow through our suffering. I love that he doesn't leave us alone in, in these moments. So this is what Jesus is doing when, when our prayers are not being answered, I think. And there's more. And we could talk about it again, I said, for hours. But I just want to encourage you because I think that, I think what can happen when we hit unanswered prayer is we can give up praying we can give up praying big prayers and we can just play it safe. And that just reinforces it, honestly. I'm being challenged to pray bigger prayers. But I've got to, be, I've got to have the faith to handle the no. I've got to faith, have the faith to handle the weight. And, and I'm not saying I'm there. Whoa. I, you know, I'm not. But I just want to encourage you guys. I feel like that was a verse that God wanted to minister deep into our hearts tonight. My grace is sufficient for you. So if we could put on the Holy Spirit lights and uh, could we stand together? We're gonna, um, what we do at Sunday night, if you've never been here before, is we have a response time after the teaching. We're gonna give you a chance to respond. I want you to just not rush through this. And I want you to allow the Lord to minister his grace to you in the areas where you need it. So you might do that through communion. We have communion over there and over there. You can grab some, sit down at your seat and take some time to be with Jesus and think about what he's done for you on the cross. You might do that through worshiping. We're gonna worship now for another 15 minutes. So worship. And you might do that by getting prayer. So what we've been doing lately is getting prayer over there by that wall. Guys, I'm going to tell you that at this service, we don't pray for each other enough. So I want to challenge you. Get prayer. I don't care if you're not, you know, I don't like to get prayer. Or it makes me uncomfortable. Or I, I, I mean, seriously, we need to overcome whatever it is that's standing in the way because something happens when we pray for each other that doesn't happen anywhere else. So I want to encourage you. Make that walk over there to that wall and let someone enter into your life. Share your faith with someone else. Let them pray for you, okay? So um, could like two people who are gonna pray just go stand over there so that people don't feel intimidated to walk over. Um, also, if you are here tonight and you've never made a commitment 
to give your life wholly to Jesus. He is saying to you tonight that his grace is sufficient for you, that he has everything that you need. And when you look out at your future and you wonder about, can I really follow Jesus? Can I really give it all to him? I'm afraid I'm gonna fail him. I wanna tell you that Jesus is ready and has everything you need to walk through your life. So I encourage you to grab somebody and talk to them about what it means to become a follower of Jesus. All right, so let's go into worship.